Do you ever worry that you're missing the most important moments in life? Like you're living life and you seem to be doing what everyone else is doing, but it just feels like you're missing something. Like everyone else got a key detail that you missed. Well, I don't think that you're alone. I think we all feel that way at times. And I think it's because most of us miss a key detail about life that is all around us, yet we don't pay attention to it. Throughout this series, we've been saying it's tough to get life right when you get God all wrong. See, one of the most important things about you and me and every single person is what we think about when we think about God. Our mental picture of God determines how we do pretty much everything from how we spend our time to how we interact with people and, of course, how we interact with God. And if we don't get this key detail of our lives correct, we will spend most of our lives feeling like we're missing out on the most important thing. Throughout this series, we've been looking at this story that Jesus told to a group of people who were missing the picture of who God is and what He's like. It's the story of the prodigal son. And in the past couple of episodes, we've looked at two key characters. We've looked at this amazing, generous, grace-filled father who has nothing but unconditional love for the second character in the story, a runaway son who rejects the love of his father and wastes his inheritance on wild living. And in this video, we're gonna take a look at one more character in the story who many of us can probably relate to the older brother who stays at home with the father, but even though he was physically close to his father, he missed out on the truth of who his father really was. And so I hope you'll stick around throughout this video because even if you're not sure you believe in God, I believe that what you think about when you think about God determines so much of your life. No matter what you think about God, I believe He can't stop thinking about you. He is for you and He has only good in mind for your life. And we want to discover all that God has in store for us together. Hi, my name is Heidi and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. My wife grew up in the heart of the Smoky Mountains in East Tennessee. And if you've ever been there, you know it's a beautiful place. Just about everywhere you turn, you see these rolling hills and mountaintops. Hiking through the Smoky Mountain National Forest is just amazingly peaceful and serene. The house my wife grew up in, it sits right on the banks of a river. It cuts through one of the valleys there, and the views are just outstanding. But my wife moved away from the mountains down to the middle of Georgia when she was a senior in high school. Now, ever since that we've been married, we travel back to the Smokies at least once or twice a year and we visit family. And she told me one time, you know, I don't think growing up I realized how unique and special this place is. I just sort of took for granted that there were beautiful mountains all around me. It took me coming to Georgia and then going back home to see it and appreciate it. I think we all know what it's like to miss something that's right in front of our eyes. 
maybe you just weren't paying attention and you missed out on something beautiful or amazing or unusual. Or maybe like my wife, you just got used to it and something that was extraordinary slowly became ordinary to you. Well, today I wanna to share with you the story of someone who missed the greatest thing there is and it was right in front of him the whole time because I think his story can teach us a lot about ourselves because I think maybe a lot of us could be missing out on the very same thing. Now, if you're not familiar with this story, it's found in the book of the Bible called Luke in chapter 15. And we're gonna spend most of our time today looking at the end of this story. But just in case, here's where we are. A young man decides he wants to leave home, so he asks his father to go ahead and give him his inheritance right now. He doesn't wanna wait until his dad is dead, so the father gives him his half of the estate and the son thinks he's got it made. He leaves home and does pretty much what comes naturally to him. He has the time of his life. He spends his dad's money and then the money runs out. The economy collapses, there's a famine, and this son finds himself homeless, hungry, and desperate. So he decides to go back home. He's sure that his dad won't take him back now, but he's hoping to just get a job as a servant on his dad's farm. But to his surprise, the father is ecstatic. He runs out to meet his son. He welcomes him with open arms. He puts a new robe on his back, a ring on his finger. He throws a party. And through this picture of the father, Jesus is saying, this is what God is like. And it's a pretty great image when you're someone who identifies with the younger son who went out and screwed up his life. It's good to know that God is loving and gracious and welcomes us back when we've run away. But there's another character in this story, one that a lot of people just read right past. There's an older brother. And the older brother, he's not the kind of character that anybody wants to compare themselves to. But what I've come to believe is that there's a little bit of the older brother in all of us, mainly because I see part of the older brother in me. See, the older brother is a picture of people who think they've got God all figured out, but in the end, they've got him completely wrong. It's like I said before, it, it could be possible to have something extraordinary right in front of you and still completely overlook it. And what we discover through the older brother is that if you don't have a proper view of the father, you can be at home the whole time and still miss the heart of the father. And when you miss the heart of the Father, you miss everything. So let's pick up the story right here in the Bible in Luke chapter 15. The younger son, he's come home. The Father welcomes him. And the party, it's already started. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. So think about it. The older son has been out in the fields all day working. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He's doing what his father has asked him to do. Have you ever had somebody in your family who says the phrase, well, somebody's got to do the work around here. And mostly it says a joke, mostly. But the older brother, he's not in on that joke. In fact, he doesn't think it's very funny at all. I mean, just imagine working all day out on the farm for your dad, and then you come home to find out that there's been a party going on without you. 
and he's wondering, where's my invitation? He asked one of the servants, what's going on? And the servant told him, your brother is back and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Now, the fattened calf is an interesting detail to include. What the big deal is with the fattened calf is in their culture, meat was considered a pretty big luxury. You didn't have meat at every meal and it was usually reserved for special occasions. Also, at that time in history, there wasn't a good way to preserve meat and an entire calf is way more than one family could eat. So they would usually invite friends and family over who live nearby and they would come and eat together so that none of it would be wasted. So when the older brother comes home and hears that the fattened calf that they've been raising for a special occasion to share with the whole community is being served at this party that he wasn't even invited to, well, you can just imagine what he's thinking. The older brother is angry and he wouldn't go in. He's thinking exactly what you and I would be thinking. The older brother, he's like the only rational one in this whole story, right? He's the one doing what he's supposed to be doing. Somebody's gotta do the work around here. And what's it going to teach my little brother when he runs off, blows half our money and comes back and you throw him a party? And not just a party, but an extravagant party. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of money. And this is not at all how I would run things in my household if I was in charge. But there's a little bit of older brother in all of us. Isn't there a part of you that sees other people who haven't behaved as good as you did, or who didn't follow all the rules, or who made decisions you would have never made, and yet they're succeeding. Things are going just fine for them. They didn't work as hard as you, they still got the promotion. You're still paying your way through school and they just had it handed to them. They were dishonest and never got caught. And every time you see it, you just think to yourself, this is not fair. It's so easy to identify with the older brother. What he's asking for is not unreasonable. He just wants things to be fair, to be equal. He wants his little brother to get what's coming to him, to suffer the consequences for his own actions. But there's something that the older brother forgot. He forgot that his brother would suffer for what he had done. Now, maybe not in the way that he wanted him to, but there would be consequences. Think about it. For the rest of his life, this prodigal son would live with the guilt of taking half of his father's money and blowing it. He would always regret that time that he'd missed with his family. And after his father dies and it's actually time to collect the inheritance, there'd be none for him because his part's gone. Sin always pays us out in the end. And maybe as you're watching this, you know it because you've experienced it too. But the problem inside the heart of the older brother is that he wanted to be the one who determined how, when, and how much his brother's sins paid out. In essence, he wanted to play the role of his father. He wanted to be God, and he's not the only one. We do this too. Now, let's take a moment here and let's talk about the father. Notice his reaction to his oldest son. His father came out and he begged him. He leaves the house and the party. He comes out to meet him. 
See, I think it's interesting when you read this story that Jesus told. It, it's interesting to note that the father reacts to both of his sons in the exact same way. Both sons were outside the father's house for completely different reasons, of course, but both are still outside. And the father goes out to both of them and he invites them both in. But the jealous older brother, he has a different reaction. He states his case to his father. He says, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. See, there's another thing I think that we can learn from what the older brother says here. Did you notice how he describes his relationship to his father? He says, I did everything you wanted me to do. You didn't give me what you gave my little brother. I never ran away and yet I never got to have a party with my friends. You see in his response what he really thinks about his dad? See, dad is nothing more than a means to an end for him. Basically, dad's just a vending machine. I follow the rules, I push all the right buttons, and you should pay out. And if I keep my end of the bargain and you don't pay out like I think you should, well, then I'm gonna be angry. And I'm gonna let you know about it because I'm entitled to some things here. This older son has basically turned his relationship with his father into a servant-master relationship. It's a boss and an employee. I do for you and you do for me. I earn it, you pay it. But we have to remember something. Jesus is telling us this story to show us what God is really like, to remind us of the relationship God longs to have with us. And why do you think Jesus chose a father? Well, why did he refer to us as sons and daughters? Because that's the kind of relationship God wants. Not a servant to a master, not a boss to an employee. We are the sons and daughters of God. Our Father's love, it's not earned by the good things that we do for Him. In fact, God doesn't need us to serve Him because He's God. He doesn't need anything. In fact, the Apostle Paul once described God in this way. He said, human hands can't serve His needs, for He has no needs. He Himself gives life and breath to everything, and He satisfies every need. God doesn't need us to do anything for Him in order for us to be His kids. He gave His life and we're already His children. He simply wants a relationship with us based on love and trust in Him and His provision for us. But the older brother, he missed it. He was in the house with the father the entire time and he still missed the relationship. I mean, it's even evident in the way he refers to his own brother. Did you notice what he said to his father in his rant? <laughs> he said, this son of yours went out and squandered your money on prostitutes, not my brother, he's your son. <laughs> Sounds a lot like my wife and I when we're frustrated with one of our kids. I'll come home from work and my wife will say, you wanna know what your daughter did today? <laughs> Wait a minute, my daughter? I thought she was yours too. <laughs> Apparently not when she's done wrong. Then she's all mine, right? <laughs> but back to being serious for a minute. It tells us a lot about the way the older brother views the relationship he has in this family. In his eyes, love is earned. 
Obedience is done so that you can get a paycheck. And when you do the right thing, then the Father owes you. And if you don't do the right thing, well, there's not much room for grace or forgiveness. Can I ask you to reflect on something for just a minute? Especially if you would consider yourself to be a Christian. And I don't want you to be too quick to answer, okay? I mean, be really honest with yourself. Do you feel like God owes you? Do you feel like there should be a payoff in the end for being good and doing the right thing? Now, you might be thinking, no, I don't think of God that way. Let me ask you this. You ever catch yourself trying to be the fairness police? In other words, you ever see people behaving in ways that you never would, committing sins you'd never commit, and saying to yourself, I hope God teaches them a lesson. I hope they get what's coming to them. I hope they don't get away with it. I hope they see the error of their ways because that's only fair. They better not get rewarded or succeed in life because I'm over here doing the right thing. Bad things ought to happen to them and good things ought to be coming my way because I've earned it. God, you better be watching because that's how I'd handle it if I was you. Now let's be real. Most of us don't really have the guts to say that to God out loud or, or in our prayers, but that's how we feel, isn't it? And what we can't see, what we miss, is the same thing the older brother missed. We've missed God. We've missed the relationship that he invites us into. We create a relationship that's purely transactional. I do for you, you do for me. I earn, you pay, and then, when the payout doesn't match our expectations, what we feel we deserve, we become the victim. And we start to elevate what we haven't gotten over what we already have. And the moment you start to do that, it's impossible to experience gratitude. See, you can't be grateful when you're entitled. Because if it's something that I earned, why would I be thankful? It's just fair. I earned it. It's mine. Instead of seeing what we have from our Heavenly Father as what it really is, a gift. Something I did not deserve because it was mine before I ever did a thing to earn it. But the moment you turn your relationship with God into a transaction, you lose the ability to be grateful. And then you begrudge anybody else who gets anything that you deem is unfair. Man, what a miserable way to live. That's not what your heavenly father had in mind when he created you. It's not what he meant for you when he invited you to call him father. And again, in Jesus's story, the father speaks to his oldest son and it reveals to us once again, what God is like. His father said to him, look, dear son. Notice the father calls him son. Look at what he's doing there. He's reminding him of the nature of their relationship the thing that the son has obviously forgotten. This is not a servant-master relationship. This is not employee-boss. This is not earn and then you receive. You are my son and I am still your dad. Dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. And that was actually true. The younger son had spent his half of the inheritance. There would be no dividing things up. So literally everything the father owned 
belonged to the older brother. But it wasn't enough for him, and that's why he missed the thing that was right in front of him. He wanted the stuff that his father gave him more than he wanted his father. And in case you didn't notice, that was the same thing that drove his younger brother to leave. Both brothers valued the gifts from their father more than they valued the relationship with their father. One took the gifts and ran away, and the other took the gifts and stayed. But both missed their father. And this is the lesson the story of the older son teaches us. When you desire the relationship more than you desire what he gives you, that's when you experience God. Look at what the father says next. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. See, that's the nature of the father. That's what God is like. He's not rewarding bad behavior. He's not ignoring or forgetting all the good things that his older son has done. He's celebrating what matters to him. He's celebrating the restoration of the relationship. My son was dead. Now he's alive. He was lost to me, but now he's found. What better reason to throw a party? What we see in this story are basically two paths that can lead us to miss what our Heavenly Father is like. The younger son broke all the rules. The older son kept all the rules. The younger son was bad. The older son was good. Two paths, same destination, disconnection from the Father. One was disconnected because of his rebellion and the other because of his righteousness. One sinned outwardly, the other sinned inwardly. And the older son, is there to teach us important truth. You can stay home and do all the right things and still run away from God. So can I just speak directly to those of you who consider yourselves to be at home right now doing all the right things? In other words, those of you who are like me, you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, could it be possible that you're missing the greatest thing of all is right in front of you? Is it possible that you've turned your relationship with your Heavenly Father into nothing more than a transaction? You're no longer a son or a daughter. You've become an employee earning a paycheck. And let me ask you this. When you see the sins of other people, how does that make you feel? Do you find yourself disgusted? angry at their disobedience? Do you find yourself frustrated that they don't behave like you or think like you? Are you disgusted with them and their sins? Would you be the older brother standing outside the party wishing the father would treat them more fairly? Hey, I'll admit it. I've been the older brother. In fact, I have to fight that little bit of him that's inside of me a lot of times. Because when I don't and I allow him to take over, what I'm essentially saying to God is this, God, you're not enough. Relationship with you isn't enough for me because it's really not about you. It's about what I get from you. And I want you to do things the way I think they ought to be done. And I want you to give me and everybody else around me exactly what they have earned. And every time I do that, I join the older brother and we're both standing outside of the party and I miss the beautiful thing right in front of me. 
I miss God. So maybe today you just want to join me in saying yes. I'm the older brother. And I admit that even in my righteousness and being good and following the rules, the truth about me is I am broken. I am just as much of a sinner as the brother who ran away. We are both missing the Father. And I'm done trying to earn His love. I want to recognize and rest in the relationship my Heavenly Father has invited me into. If that's what your heart is saying today, man, I would love to have a conversation with you and talk about what your next steps might be. Because see, I want this video to be more meaningful to you than just content you consume, like all the numerous other things you're gonna scroll right past today. I would love for this video to be a doorway into a community that you can be committed to, because I believe that it's in the context of community where you can work out your relationship with your Heavenly Father with some other people who are trying to figure out the same thing. So all you have to do is just text the number on that screen and I'd love to be your first step into community today. Just text the words next step to me right now. And I'd love to talk with you about what your next step with God or our community might be. But no matter what step you take today, I hope you leave knowing that even though what you think about God is the most important thing about you, no matter what you think about God, I believe He can't stop thinking about you.